Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fain, Christagenia.org. This is Christagenia Internet Radio. Tonight is Friday, I'm sorry, Friday, April 11th, 2014. Tonight, I'm going to do um, something we did a few months ago, I think back in December or January, and do a call-in program and welcome people to call in and participate, ask questions, pose, um, well, propose opposing viewpoints to some of the um, material on Christogenia, whatever you have, as long as you're not a troll, you will be properly entertained. I have a few things to say before we begin. I, um, well, well, first, we did an open forum format at Christogenia and here on TalkShoe for about a year and a half, and I dropped it because the participation, I felt, became very stale. It became repetitive, and I dropped it in favor of the, the Christogenia Saturdays program that we've been doing back in, I think it was late. No, it was early 2012, I believe. Well, from that time, we had no um, offer of listener participation in our programs at all for nearly two years, and and now we're trying to do that once again. We understand that there was a void. This should be a community, Christian identity. I mean, this is not the only Christian identity community. Um, well aware of that. There are many others, and and I believe they're all at different levels of understanding, some for the better, some for the worse, some are more like the Judeo-Christians, but this should be a community. I've always endeavored to make Christogenia a community. It has a forum. It has a chat server. It um, has been successful at times. It's been unsuccessful at times. A lot of people have moved on. They moved on to better things, or they left in a half because their pet agendas weren't entertained or accepted, or, or perhaps they had subversive agendas, which ultimately failed. We get, uh, I'm not bragging, we, we, we've got in March 25,000 visitors to the website, 50,000 podcast downloads. It's um. It would be nice if some of the people who listen had something to contribute because it should be a community. Any um, Christian assembly, Christian congregation, church, if you really want to use that word, I would rather not. It should be a community and not simply just a, a, um, a talking head with a lot of listeners and, and then at the end of the day, all those people go their separate ways and do what the hell they want until next week. They should cooperate together instead all the time throughout the week and, and um, the month and the year and, and work towards a common endeavor no matter how much or how little each person can contribute. Our common endeavor should be to spread the truth to all of our white brethren in the world. Even with 800 visitors a day, that's a drop in the bucket. That is nothing. That is 
minute compared to the um, the traffic on the internet that mainstream media sites get. The the the, um, the enemies of Christ get every single day. So we we if we want to be um, successful in the spread of our message. What we have to, what we we can't expect to be popular, but we have to do our best to be effective, and and reach as many people as possible. Whether they accept our message or not, we should reach as many people as possible, with the expectation that they are not going to accept our message. And we praise Yahweh, whether they accept us or reject us. It's our endeavor to get our message across that the um the internet's a very effective tool and and um people the least people could do who want to help our endeavor is post links to our content on mainstream media sites post links to our content in comment sections they're pretty effective and and i know how, how many visitors i could get when somebody successfully posts a link in a mainstream media site. And often those links disappear, but before they do, or even if they just mention a name, Christogeny is a really easy word to search for, and you could spell it wrong 18 different ways, and it still leads to my website. So, so it's an effective term, and, and um, people would spell it wrong still remember it, so it, it's easy to spread the word and to get people to look at the message. That's our endeavor, whether they accept it or not. They could take it or leave it. We don't care. We want them to look. And that boils down to something else I want to talk, to, talk about tonight that I hope to talk about more in the future, and, and that's the litmus test. You hear a lot on white nationalist forums, especially places like Stormfront, in reference to what the litmus test is. Who's white? Who's white enough? Who's not white? Who shouldn't we accept? Who should we accept? And what the grounds for that acceptance should be. You hear people arguing, oh, we shouldn't accept any of the Portuguese. We shouldn't accept Italians. We shouldn't accept Spaniards. They're not white enough. We shouldn't accept... Russians or Poles, they're not white enough. Well, in truth, there are white Portuguese, white Spaniards, plenty of white Italians, white Poles, and white Russians. I don't know about Russians. No, I'm kidding. What we should accept is people that accept the gospel of Christ in the context of its racial message that people accept that Yahshua Christ is Yahweh our God manifest in the flesh and that he came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and that those people are the primary, not the exclusive, but the primary descendants of the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and related tribes of today, along with a lot of the, um, let's call them the Romance tribes, 
the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Italians, that the um, the original Spaniards and Portuguese and, and related peoples. Those people are the dispersed tribes of Israel for the most part. And that Christ came exclusively for them, even if we ourselves as individuals may not aspire to the ideal blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tall, light, and handsome Nordic Aryan, even if we ourselves don't aspire to that, if we generally perceive ourselves to be white, we accept that gospel of Christ and we accept the racial message which it contains, well, we should not be disparaged, whether we're Italians or Poles or Germans or, or Franks or Spaniards. We should accept those people because they understand that gospel message. That's the best litmus test that we have. All of this, we can't accept Italians, or we can't accept Greeks, or we well, well, there's plenty of white Italians, and there's plenty of white Greeks, and, and we don't know often where to draw the lines. There are plenty of blonde Europeans, there are plenty of brunette Europeans. Now, sometimes it's hard to tell the blondes from the Kazarian Jews, and sometimes it's hard to tell the brunettes from the Canaanite Jews and Arabs. That's very true. We do have that problem. That's why the litmus test should be the gospel of Christ and the racial message behind it. And when a person accepts that and has the general appearance of being white, we might say we might say, well, he's got a big nose or he's got floppy ears. But if a person accepts that gospel message and has the general appearance of being white, that's the best litmus test we have, and and that's the litmus test that we should employ. And with that, I'm going to invite participation and take calls, and and of course, probably white as he goes by on Tatsu, is already on the line, so I'm going to say hello to him. Hello, Michael. Hello, Bill. How you doing? Doing great. Praise Yahweh. Do you have anything to, um, and anything to talk about, offer, dispute, cuss me about? <laughs> <laughs> no, Brother Bill, I'm, I'm thankful for you and, and the work that you do, and uh, we have, uh, I guess, been studying off and on uh, the Christian identity for about three years now and took some time to try to step away from just uh, taking in so much and trying to give some out. And uh, we have two uh, couples that we've been uh, having Bible studies with for almost a year now, and they are receiving it uh, in a wonderful way and uh, and now kind of getting caught back up to the things that I missed out on the last few months when we were kind of trying to take extra time to teach and, and to share the message, but uh, just really appreciate everything that you do, and uh, um, I just, uh, when we came across uh, your website, we had been studying some other things with Swift and Compare and some others, and 
um, I appreciate those men and everything that they did, but just a lot of things that were not researched and and really um, brought out clearly. And uh, when we were able to, to uh, study Christogenia and to especially get the Christogenia New Testament and uh, and to see the you know the way that uh, things are uh, twisted and a lot of the English tra- translations, it just really helps to. Uh, see the ignorance of the translators, but also just to see the the whole overall message uh, of uh, our people and of Yahweh, and uh, it's just such a blessing. My wife and children, we all love it. This is our lifestyle. It's what we've always uh, longed for, I believe. Uh, my wife and I have been married almost 20 years, and and uh, Yahweh's blessed us the whole time. It's not always been easy, but. Uh, this has just been, you know, an awakening to our lives, and uh, and we're just trying to help other people understand, you know, little by little, and and following the Lord and doing that. Well, well, I'm humbled, and I appreciate that. I'm certain that you have to feed your get your um, assembly milk and and uh, meat. Maybe one day you could share some of those experiences that would be um, possibly helpful to others. That, that's another big question, and, and I want to address somebody in the chat room first. That the Japanese are clearly not white, but we should accept people who are apparently white that understand the truth of our message, and we should accept them as if they are white, because we, being men, we can't see what is in men like Christ is, and, and, and we can't separate the wheat from the tares. Only he can do that. We um we certainly do not accept people who are obviously not white. They must be put out of our congregations. We shouldn't keep fellowship with them. That that's just the way it is. That's the truth of the gospel message. So I just had to address that because somebody asked me about the Japanese. Well, that they're they're, they're just they're simply beasts just like the rest of those who were born of the world and not born from above. That's how the Bible draws the lines. The children of Adam are born from above. The children of, of all the other races are born of the world. It's, it's very clear in Scripture. There's somebody from Idaho on the line who, who's um, been on from the beginning, Hello, Idaho. Yeah, hi. Uh, I I don't know if this is Idaho talking. Uh, I I saw the little symbol go off. This is Tom from Idaho. Tom, how you doing? Hey, I'm fine, Bill. Um, I have a, I guess it's an old question, perhaps, but I keep going through your materials and trying to find some clear explanation. Just the definition, or not the definition, the history or the uh, etymology of the word Jew. And the reason I say that is I've been to the Second Kings. You know, knowing that that's the first time it appears in the King James, and I know the stories about in the intertestamental period that you and Clifton and others have told for so long, but I I don't see the concise explanation for the actual word itself, just like you've done with so many other words. And I was wondering if you had something off the top that you could explain that. Well, well, I mean, the word Jew is an obvious contraction of the word Judaism or, or the word for um, Judean. There's no doubt that the words are related. That doesn't mean that the people are the people of the book, though. Yeah. 
was it uh, Latin, uh, Greek, Hebrew? Where, where did the word come from? Well, well the Greek is eudahius, right? I o u d a i o s eudahius. That the um the word in the Middle Ages, <clears throat> I, I believe, in the Geneva Bible, it's spelled i e w e s, and that's an English contraction. Okay. And and i e w e s was uis us. But it was basically Jews. The I later, a, a century after the Geneva Bible, the I became a J, with the King James Bible. And and Englishmen started pronouncing that that J sound in the manner of the French, what like a D Z sound, or or however you might want to phonetically represent it. So, so the the word Jew, it it that it did come from the Greek word Judean, and medieval Bible translators did take it for granted that the people who boarded the name Jew were the descendants of the people of the book. We should know better. We can go back in in the Bible itself and in the histories of Strabo and Josephus. And and revise that understanding because they are instead the people that rejected Christ are instead the Canaanites and the Edomites of Scripture. <laughs> but was there a but was there a word equivalent to that used at the time when Christ was here, or the apostles were walking the earth? The general term was Judean. Well, and, but that applied to everyone, everyone in that region, right? Yes, it was a Roman geopolitical unit. It didn't represent a race. It didn't represent a tribe. It only represented the people who lived under the citizenship of, of, of that, that, well, first it was a kingdom un, under Rome, and, and later it was a province. So, I guess it, what I'm getting at, was there a time during that period when another word was used to identify Edomites specifically as distinct oh, from no. a Judean they, generally. Well, once they were fall under the Maccabees, well, once they were all forced to convert to Judaism, they all became Judeans. And that's yeah. explicitly stated by Flavius Josephus. All right. I've just, it just strikes me as funny. I know even the apostles had trouble separating the wheat and the tares in those days at times. Yes, because they did. But the it, issue safely could be safely inferred that at that time the Edomites probably looked more like we do that than the Jews look like us today. Yeah. Okay. All right. And on another word, um, Enosh, I was curious. Um, I know that it can include either Adamic or non-Adamic, or excuse yeah. me, Israelite, uh, Adamic, non-Adamic. So is that then presumptively that it would include beasts of the field as well? well? Well, you know, there are places in the Bible where Adamic people are called Enosh. The word Enosh refers to the mortal man. The word Adam refers to a, a particular race of, of man. Now, an Adamite can be an Enosh, but an Enosh can't necessarily be an Adamic person. The word Enosh 
is used by David, the writer of many of the Psalms, in contrast to the word Adam on more than one occasion, on several occasions. The word Enosh is used in contrast to the word Adam in the prophecy of Daniel. Where the word is used in contrast to the word Adam, in contradistinction to the word Adam, as it does, as it's used in, in several places in Psalms and Daniel, we have to understand that it refers to non-Adamic people. All men can be considered beasts, but not all beasts should be considered men. Okay, so it really is sheep and goats. It's really one or the other. It's just that Enosh can include both. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, Another question that I've asked before, but I had further thought on it, on the issue of the origination of the Druids, based on the ancient at least accounts of, of how long back they went, did the proto-Celts or the Phoenicians, from what I can gather from your presentations, it doesn't seem like they were old enough to have accounted for the earliest account of the Druids. And I'm trying to figure out where they could have come from or were there, I don't know what, what the source could have been. I mean, the proto-Celts or the, I believe, the, the Phoenicians, you're only looking back at what, 1400, 1300 B.C., something like that? I I believe the proto-Celts were indeed the Phoenicians and other tribes, most likely Chipetai tribes, who settled Western Europe at an early time, yes. And and there's no doubt in my mind the proto-Celts are primarily Phoenicians, but the term must also be used to describe other peoples, the Ligurians, the Tartesians, who had similar cultures and, and were of the same race, they just simply weren't Phoenicians. They weren't the, the colonists from the Levant that we consider the Phoenicians to be. So, so the, the, the term proto-Celt, I, I mean, there's a history in, in Western civilization where we have these Jepetai tribes distributed eventually across southern and and western Europe and and the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea by 2500 BC where writing in the west didn't appear until after the fall of the Israelite kingdom and and the days of Homer and Hesiod about 700 BC, or I'm okay. sorry, about 610 BC is more accurate. So, so we have um, a couple of the um, lyric poets that preceded, that seemingly preceded the epic poets, and, and some lawgivers and, and philosophers that are nearly as early. But 610 BC is the beginning of the surviving writing of the Greeks and, and or, or roughly thereabouts. And that's kind of late. That, that's, that, that leaves about 1,900 unaccounted for years between the time when the Bible says that those regions were settled by members of our race and when writing actually appears. That's a long time, 1,900 years. 
Well, in your archaeological studies, how far back do they estimate that the Druids first settled in, in England? Well, we, we, yeah, you know, Druids are only mentioned a couple of times in early literature. I don't find any mention at all of them um, before the second century B.C. So, so okay. I mean, I, I know they're mentioned by Strabo, by Diodorus Siculus. I don't even think they're mentioned before that time. Diodorus Siculus is only... 50 B.C. Oh, I don't well, recall a mention of Druids before that. Well, I had understood that at least archaeologically, and maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that they were actually at least reputed to have settled in those islands far, far before that. Maybe they were reported later, but as far as their actual settlements... Well, well the Druids are, are a priesthood. They're perceived to be a pagan priesthood, right? A priesthood among the, the proto-Celts. But there's no mention of them in literature until 50 B.C. Yeah, they were probably people that we might call proto-Druids. They are along with the very first proto-Celts. But we don't have any records describing these people. The archaeological finds are scant. The archaeological finds are very often misrepresented. I'll give a perfect example. You go on Wikipedia, you read about bog bodies, and you'll find references to human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You go in Tacitus, the Roman historian, I just mentioned this the other day, you go in Tacitus, the Roman historian, and he tells you that the Germanic tribes threw people in the bogs because they were fags and cowards. Nothing to do with human sacrifice. <laughs> they must have read First Corinthians, yeah. Right. They should have read Tacitus before they started running their mouths about the bog bodies. I believe the historical explanation before I believe the wishful thinking of these butthole mainstream archaeologists. So that's just one example of how archaeological data is very frequently misunderstood. Okay. When you uh, have accounted in Revelation for the first woe as being Islamics, um, the Arabs, and then the Turks in the second woe, how do you account for the Mongols, the Mongol invasions? Are the Turkic invasions, are the Mongol invasions really to be considered separately? Oh. Yeah, you know, that that's the way I look at it. Are the, are the, the, the Mongol invasions, is that just Reciprocal, because the Turks are, or at least started as a Mongol people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they really didn't advance any further than the Turks. They didn't advance as far. Okay. I, I mean, the Turks I, had Vienna under siege, right? The Mongols never got that far. Okay. I, I just knew what a traumatic thing, it seemed as if they came in waves, and it just seemed like, to me at least, I, I must study it, I guess, closer. It just seemed like a more distinct and separate thing, but that's... But well, that were, that they could be distinguished in, in history, but they're really just more people from the East. They're really just... The, the Turks were an Oriental people called originally the, 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 the Uyghurs, U-I-G-H-U-R-S. That, that's who most historians claim the Turks got their start. And, and they came from China. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so why are the Mongols really different? 
that they're, they're just more people from the East. That's the way I look at it. I, I don't think that the Revelation tells us that much. I think the Revelation tells us enough to be able to distinguish where the enemy is coming from and why they're coming. And to know that God is true because God foretold us these things. Mm-hmm. Are you still um, planning to make available the Christogenia New Testament with your footnotes? That's being produced in my podcasts. It's almost there. Oh, okay. I didn't know whether you'd put it on hold or what. I Well, there, there, there are footnotes... Not every difference in translation and and possible difference in translation, not every difference among the manuscripts is being mentioned in my podcast. I think that all of the significant ones are, and some people have told me that even a lot of them are are too trite and and trivial. So so I'm, I'm getting everything that I think is important into my podcast notes. And, and that is basically the, the um, first pouring of the foundation from my own Bible commentary. I don't know how long um, I'm going to be able to do what I'm doing. I can't see the future, right? But, but I'm going to do this for as long as I can. I pray that I have um, Paul done within the next who knows, 8, 10, 12 months? I don't know how long it's going to take. Well, when I sat down to do Acts, I didn't know it was going to take 34 weeks. I thought it was going to take me about 15, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. But when um, I finish Paul, I'm going to do the same thing with John. And, and when I complete John, I'm going to do the Revelation again, even I, I hope better than the last one and and rewrite and and add to Christ-like. And and the basic structure is going to stay the same. The interpretations that are there are going to stay the same. I think some things have to be made a little clearer. Um, I think some things I overlooked that I take for granted, right, that everybody should know and it doesn't end up that way. And, And things I take for granted maybe aren't quite as clear to other people. So so I might be able to improve on it. And after I do Paul, I'll do the Gospel of John and, and his epistles and then the Revelation. And, and that will provide the, the entire foundation and, and most of what I have to offer in notes right on my website, right? Yeah, and I, I've been through virtually everything on the website, and I enjoy it very much and been over it many of them many times over. Um, so does my wife, and my kids are participating now too. The thing I was hoping, and, and you'd, you'd mention the volume with the footnotes, it makes a nice handy reference resource to use when you're traveling around and such too. Well, well right, but look at my Acts commentaries. Ten pages on average each week, and it's 34 weeks, right? That's yeah, true. yeah. I get it. <laughs> All right. I didn't under I didn't know the format you were you were planning. Now I now I have a better sense of it, so I see what you're dealing with. And uh, I know you're planning to do that Germanic origin series later in this year too, which I'm looking forward to. Well, well, um, I hope I can expand on that because when I wrote it, I wrote it for the the format of Clifton Emma Heiser's pamphlets 
and it's way too concise in many places okay. because I was writing it to I'd send Clifton 17 pages and, and want him to squeeze it into a pamphlet, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. 17 um, I, written pages at that time. I made the mistake the other night of logging on to uh, Eli James's site just to see what you had referenced a couple of times regarding his allegations and all of his silly sophistry trying to become Talmudic and his approach bashing you. I just wanted to see what he said, and I was sufficiently reviled by the time I got to the bottom, except right at the bottom he has a section where he publishes his DNA test results. I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Did did he actually publish the, the official report that he received from the company? It looks like he has a summary of results, but they're they're fairly substantial. He he lists them out line by line, so I don't know if it's complete or not. Did he receive from the company, right? No, no. There, there's no reproduction of a document. He's apparently had it transcribed for his posting. It's been three years. He can't scan a document. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Five minutes flat. I just wondered if one of your friends or you had taken a look at any of the information to see if it looked bogus or whether. It says it speaks for itself that he, to this day, after three years, has not simply scanned the damn document and posted a PDF. That takes 10 minutes with 50 pages. Yeah, yeah, I've done it many times myself. You're right. I, I just wondered. I guess uh, we'll have to wait till he puts something it official. Yourself. I don't care what his DNA says. Even if he's not a Jew by race, look at what's coming out of his damn mouth. He yes, five what's between his ears? Denying oneness, right? And Joshua Christ says, I and my father are two, right? I mean, come on. No, I, I have to say I could not believe some of the positions he was taking in all those write-ups. And I had already listened to you and Sword Brethren, and I think others talking about it. But to see it actually written and going through it line by line, I have to say it was hard. <laughs> but I, I just was taken aback by the fact he at least alleges that he published his own DNA results to shut everybody up and claim that that's the final word. And I thought, there's something wrong here, possibly. And I just wanted to know if you'd seen it, that's all. You know, I could sit here and, and and probably look through a few websites, get somebody else's DNA results, doctor them up, stick them online, and say, yeah, they're my DNA results. I, I mean, I'm not saying that he did that, but come on. What's so hard about publishing a damn report? Yeah. You know, the we, one thing glaringly omitted from any of that material seemed to be any reference to the wedding of his daughter, to his new son-in-law, and I thought that was an especially interesting omission. Yeah, you know, I have a daughter that, that, that married a Jew, had two kids with him. He's actually one-fourth Jewish. He looks like a damn Jew. I could look at him and say, that's a Jew. He has blonde hair, he has white skin, he has green eyes, but he's a damn Jew. And I disowned my daughter for that. I disowned her years before I got out of prison. When I got out of prison... And I started doing programs. I explained to people why I disowned my daughter. I disowned her long before I started this endeavor, and I told people that I disowned her as soon as I started this endeavor. Nobody could come to me and say, hey, think your daughter married a Jew. 
No shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, I, I announced that publicly. I announced that, that she's dead to me, and she is. I haven't spoke to this girl since 2000, maybe since 99. I don't even remember it's been so long. Well, I disowned her because of who she chose to have children with for no other reason. Now, it, that can't come back on me. We are all stuck in a world. We don't have control over what our families do. But when you're in a quote-unquote pastoral position and something like that happens to you, you're obliged to make an announcement. He should have made that announcement in 2010. In 2013, if he wasn't running his mouth, I would have never found that his daughter married some sand nigger. And it would have never been published. He was running his mouth. He should have already told his listeners or his congregation, if you want to call them that. He should have already told him, hey, look, a terrible sin occurred in my family. My daughter married a sand nigger, and I have to disown her for her, and I hope people prayed it. That, that she repents, and I pray to God she repents. I pray to God that my daughter repents. Until she does, she's dead. I have no qualms about explaining that to the world. I, I didn't wait until people found out about it on their own to, to announce that and, and to express my feelings about that. That's too late. It's too late when that happens. Yep, well, I I have to admit, even at this point, to have left that omission seemed a bit beyond disingenuous. I, uh, I'm i curious, did did Bertrand Compare just simply speculate out of, out of nothing when he talked in terms of pre-Adamic people being created by God? Was this, this a six-day, yeah, no, eight-day creation no, thing? That idea was in... British Israel related anthropology and that idea was in mainstream English anthropology. There's a book on, on my site, there's a PDF link to a book by a fellow named Winchell, W I N C H E L L L E L L and Winchell wrote a book called The Pre Adamites back in the nineteenth century. Oh. And he was a, a an academic anthropologist, right? Uh, he was, was no joke. He wasn't just some um, British Israel flunky that, that wanted to account for the other races. This is what a certain school of British academics believed. So Compare and Swift, I believe, simply picked up from them, expecting these guys to be pretty much right. And, and I don't know who created the, the two creations theory, but Eli James has this book that he's been promoting for this guy named Davies. Eli promotes the book, and then he has his own different theory that conflicts with Davies. But this guy Davies had this Genesis 126, Genesis 127 Adam as two different Adams over 100 years ago. This is an old mistake Comparate didn't invent it. Swift didn't invent it. Eli James didn't invent it. They all have their own spin on it, maybe, in some ways. They're all wrong. And that, that's, it, it's an old mistake. It's not new. Well, it's definitely a fork in the road that starts everything mutating from there. And they treat it as gospel. And I don't know whether it was just bad scholarship or what, but 
it's it's just a damn shame. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, there are so many white people that think they have to find the creation of niggers in the Bible, and they will spend all day defending niggers, even to beat their own white brethren who deny it or who don't believe it over the head with their belief. And, and that's it's mis at the least it's misguided white empathy and. Quite often, it's really more than likely Jewish treachery. Yeah. Because niggers aren't found in the Bible. Unless Yahweh says that he's turning Adamic people over to his enemies. He's giving them up. And then we find niggers overrunning Egypt and Cush and other Adamic, formerly Adamic nations. So, so blacks in the Bible... Are curse. That's what they are. I'm about to do a program on that. It might be another, I don't know how long, two, three, four, five weeks before I'm ready for it, but I have to sit down and, and put the data together that I know is there and have a discussion about it. it it'll probably be the two seed line part 17 program sometime in the near future, Yahweh willing. Okay, well, I look forward to that one. All right, well, I really let some of your other callers have a chance here but thank you for fielding those and um, I'll probably be on tomorrow night too looking forward to that too okay I'm going to try to talk to central Pennsylvania thank you Bill thank you Tom central Pennsylvania hello hey this is Arthur in Pennsylvania hello Arthur how you doing hey I'm doing pretty good uh, yeah thanks for bringing that up at the beginning um, you know about um if somebody looks the part of white and they're trying to learn this message, that's probably a good indicator. Yeah, right. We can't reject them, even if they're Greek. If they look white, well, we can't reject them on speculation about their ancestry. The gospel has to be the determining factor, period. Now, um, in my family, not in my household, but in my larger family, uh, I have one uh, one individual who mixed, you know, and I don't know. Do you have any advice on how you deal with the rest of the family who hasn't? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of good information on on race mixing, and and it's dire consequences, and you have to. Um, ostracize the person who race mixed that, that's no doubt they have to be ostracized and and explain to your family why you will not have any communion with that person yeah cuz this this would be in a whole family who's never even heard this before well well right and 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 we faced that before and and, and that that's you know you should probably the, the ones that are close to you, explain it to them. And, and you're probably going to get beat over the head for it. That, that's the, um, the trial that we who do have our eyes open have in this life. Okay. And I, I had one other question. I, I started to download, like, some beginner Greek stuff to learn. And there's uh, an apostolic Bible out there. 
you know that that also corresponds to uh, strong numbers. Yeah, but the Apostolic Bible is edited, it's been redacted, and it's been, um, how do I put it? it? It's kind of been homogenized. You're probably better off with an NA-27 or an interlinear based on the NA-27 or the NA-28 and a, a Brenton Septuagint. Because Breton Septuagint is based on the Codex Vaticanus, at least the Greek in the Septuagint, according to, in, in Breton's version of it, is based upon a real antique manuscript. The, the Apostolic Bible has been more or less homogenized. That, that's the best description I have for it. I, I already own something called a green interlinear. Green... I, I read Green's Interlinear, and, and I was still new in my own language studies. It, it was a good – I didn't read the whole thing. I perused it for several days, and I had a lot of problems with it. I really did, even back in – it may have been 2001, 2002, when I started my um, – around the time I started my translations. Okay, and I, I have – I like Green. J.P. Green. I had one other question. I, I had downloaded a, a, a thing to go with um, the Apostolic Bible, just a discussion thing. I didn't get the Bible, but um, wh whoever produced that seemed to be saying that Erasmus had uh, pronunciation of uh, Greek uh, letters wrong. Is that yeah, you know, there's a lot of contention over the pronunciation of Greek letters. And a lot of that contention comes from people who understand ecclesiastical Latin, but don't understand that ecclesiastical Latin was not pronounced the same as classical Roman Latin which was pronounced quite differently. So, so you're always going to get arguments because of the different viewpoints over the pronunciation of Greek. I think, and, and for my purposes, I use the pronunciation guide found in Strong's Concordance. I find it to be the best. I honestly do. I find it to be the most agreeable to, to what I've read from Greek and, and, and about Greek about classical Greek. So, so I kind of like the Strong's Pronunciation Guide. Even if it's not perfect, I follow it. Okay. Nobody really knows how a lot of Greek was pronounced. I have had disputes with, with modern Greeks over Greek pronunciation and, and find their pronunciation is absurd in a lot of ways. They have a couple of vowels and three or four different diphthongs that are all pronounced like an E. And, and I don't think that that was how it was intended to be in classical Greek. So I argue with the, these modern Greeks to try to foist that their Turkish Mamzer mongrel pronunciation on, onto classical Greek. And, and that's the way I see it. Well, and that's kind of what, what this, uh, this little learning thing I downloaded was saying. It, it was saying that beta was really pronounced like a V, and then all these other vowel things sounded like the same E. 
Yeah, I don't believe that the beta was pronounced like a V. And I, I, there's a lot of contention with that. And I think that comes from this modern Greek. Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering what you thought about it. Um, you know, because I'm kind of at the beginning of everything. Yeah, you can learn a lot just looking at the way certain names are spelled in classical Greek and looking on a map and seeing how those names are spelled today. And you'll see a lot of those letters were interchanged. And I don't agree with these um, modern Greek pronouncers, even if they do spell some of the words the same. Okay. I'd rather compare the, um, the classical Greek to classical Latin. Classical Latin, not ecclesiastical Latin, which is different. The, the, the market difference is the... Um, the pronunciation of the letter C, which was hard like a in K. classical Latin, but it's soft in ecclesiastical Latin. That, that's one marked difference. There's a, um, it, it's a real small Latin dictionary. I really like the guy. His name is Troutman. It, it's the New College Latin and English Dictionary. It's a paperback. It cost me about eight bucks. It was a great investment because he's very candid about pronunciation. I cited it in one of my... I think I cited it in, in my um, essay, Yahshua to Jesus, Evolution of a Name. I mentioned it several times. All right. Okay, I'm going to take the next caller. It is... Um, European Godzilla. Hello, European Godzilla. How about if I just call you E.G.? <laughs> Hi, Bill. How's it going? Wonderful. Thank you. How are you? Oh, same here. Same here. Thanks for accepting my call. Uh, I do have a few questions and a few comments, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Christian identity guy and uh, I was just wanting to that from a, a lot of your forum comments but that's okay <laughs> well uh, well uh, I asked them later I was raised a uh, Roman Catholic and um, I'm sorry I, off, I was raised a uh, Roman Catholic I said I'm sorry to hear that so was I <laughs> well it, it's all good now so I'm like what is this Christian identity is it a group a movement a religion a sect uh, I'm, I'm just not familiar. I listen to a few, uh, uh, some of the few podcasts, so uh, it's kind of new to me. I don't know. Because they're all moving in different directions, right? It's not a movement. It's not a group. It, it's the, the, the what, what, what people that profess to be Christian identity have is a similar basic understanding of Scripture in, in that the Scripture is historical and, and its fulfillment is historical and, and that we understand through history and through archaeology and sources like that who the people of the Bible are and who they aren't and why. And that understanding that amounts to or is summed up in that statement, that can be called Christian identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. I see. 
So do you have any good books to recommend me that I can actually read and study by myself? There's a place on, on Christagenia called the Christagenia Overview, and, and I try, and it does need to be rewritten, and I admit that. I just don't have time to do it. But the Christagenia Overview, I try to give that basic, and a little essay called What is Christian Identity, I try to give that basic understanding of what we're about, and I recommend some beginner sources. And, and those sources are available on my website, one is a, in PDF format. One is a little book from E. Raymond Katz called The Abrahamic Covenant. Another one is an essay by Bertrand Compare called Your Heritage. Those two little books summarize Christian identity religious beliefs um, probably as good as I could do it, or, or maybe better because that they did it in concise, simple language without too many um, technical and, and foreign terms and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so oh, that's, that, that's where I'm going to tell you to start. Oh, I have right. podcasts that, that I've done which explain um, basic Christian identity foundational beliefs. One is the podcast on the front page of Christogenia, William Fink on the Patriot Dames. Mm -hmm. and another one is a program I did with John Friend back um, maybe about a year and a half ago, which was along the same lines, which talked about the settlement of Europe. Mm -hmm. Well, well, I said, uh, I will uh, take some time off and I will order the books if needed. And uh, I guess the I have to get some money to order those books since they're they're not free. But uh, yeah, well, these little booklets are free. They're they're available in PDF form on my website. If you send oh. an email to info at christagenia.org and you need it, I'll send you the links. Right, but they are there free, and and oh. all of my own writing is on Christagenia for free. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, okay, I thought the the one free. That's why. Yeah, sorry for that. No, everything we offer is free. I mean, well, okay. it's free. I'm not going to offer. Well, don't you have you two books? Don't you have two books uh, that you uh, published? Yeah, right. But I have two books that I published, but all the material in those books is available on my website free, right? Oh, okay. Well, I, well, yeah. I sell books, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, it helps pay the bills, but it's all there for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well, uh, well, I will check them out definitely. I would like to, I would like to learn uh, more about it. So I, I do, I, I do believe there is such a thing as the Aryan soul, and uh, that we are a total different uh, entity from the all the other races. But what about uh, races who support, who like also, or who like to support the white race? Uh, I mentioned the Japanese uh, just. Like that, let's see World War II, they supported Hitler, and they had a good, friendly relationship. Okay, okay, let's talk about this. Did Japan ever attack Russia? No. <laughs> then they didn't really support Hitler, did they? Well, no. Japan was allied with Germany in, in on paper, but it was really only because 
they had a common enemy in, in the United States and, and Great Britain. They didn't really support Hitler. If they'd have really supported Hitler, they'd have invaded Russia and forced Stalin to send some troops to the East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that, did they? Oh, well, well, no, they didn't. Uh, but <clears throat> I, I just mentioned that in the chat room, but uh, uh, another caller, well, another guy in the chat room mentioned they, they committed treason, treachery of, of the Germans for not supporting them uh, when the Ger- German needed them the most. So, yeah, that, it makes sense. So you're saying we should refuse all other races? Yes, we should. We should separate ourselves. It, it's a Christian demand of us by our God to separate ourselves from other races. Well, we don't have to go shooting at them. Well, we don't have to go beating them up, but we should separate ourselves from them and keep ourselves distinct. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I kind of agree with that, but uh, what, all, what about people who are friends and, you know, they, they don't want to repent or they have kids with them or, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but we shouldn't, you know, Christians should not have sinful friends. We have mm-hmm. friends that sin, and, and when we explain to them their sin and, and, and advise them to repent, if they reject us, then they're not really our friends. Oh, well, that's fine. Well, I'm not a race mixer, so uh, I'm, I'm just wondering. And I guess you answered that question. But uh, you did a few podcasts uh, concerning World War II. Are you thinking going back to those podcasts, or are you even thinking to touch the Pacific uh, in the near future? Yeah, the American? A lot of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the origins of World War I and, and, mm-hmm. and the treachery involved in the so-called peace of World War I. There's a lot of stuff I want to do, but I'm only one guy, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of my podcasts gets... 10 to 20 hours of preparation time. It, it's, I know what I'm going to say before I go do it, but, but I've I got to have my facts in order. So it, it, it's time to prepare. I can't do everything. I, 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 there are some things I'm specifically interested in in 20th century history, and I presented a lot of those, not all of them, but a lot of them. I leave the, um, the the sticky issues of the Holocaust and the, the deep details concerning. I leave that to other people that, mm-hmm. that, that focus in that area and do a better job because they focus. Uh, I mean, I can't do better on the Holocaust than Germa Rudolph. I can't do mm-hmm. it because he devotes all of his time to focusing on those issues. Of course, I could do as well if I did too, but... To me, my, my, my message it is Christian identity and, and the truths of biblical and ancient history. So that's where I put my focus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as I mention your, uh, as as I mention your name or I mention uh, Christianity, like last week I was on an uh, Aryan Nation uh, talk show chat room, and they were talking about uh, Germany and National Socialism. And I kind of mentioned that uh, Germany stood up as a Christian nation to to try to defeat the Jew, and uh, two seconds later, um, being attacked, like uh, you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, or you know, Germany was going to get rid of Christianity uh, sooner or later, and uh, yeah. 
snow later and, uh, you know, they were going to close the churches down, uh, they were going back to paganism or Odinism or whatever. I don't know if you can answer me that question. seems like a lot of well, people... Well, I have, I have on my mind comp site right now, and it might still be on the front page, there's a couple of plaques, and those plaques are actual photographs of plaques hanging in the Ukraine today. And those plaques, one plaque is on the synagogue complaining about how the Nazis shut the synagogue down, and another plaque is on a church, on a church monastery, talking about how the Nazis reopened the church when they mm-hmm. occupied Ukraine. It's clear proof. It's clear proof. And in, in right out under the noses of the public that the synagogues were open when the communists were in power and they were closed when the national socialists were in power. The Christian churches were closed when the communists were in power and they were reopened by the national socialists. Mm-hmm. So, there's plenty of other documentary evidence in that area. Well, but, but, well, what about... What, what about Germany getting rid of Christianity and replacing the so-called their spirituality with something else? Yeah, you know, you had a couple of national socialists who, who dislike Christianity because of the usual reasons they saw it as being Jewish in origin. They saw it as being um, friendly to Jews. And, and those things aren't true. But the mainstream so-called Christian churches in Germany had the same problems that Judeo-Christian churches have today. And men who don't understand Christianity don't like those churches. Adolf Hitler understood the necessity of those churches. He spelled that out in Mein Kampf. He also understood the problems with those churches, and he spelled that out in Mein Kampf. He did both very objectively, but he was certainly in his underlying um, programs and principles, he was certainly a Christian, whether or not he realized it consciously is immaterial. When you teach the truth about Christianity and you compare true Christianity, biblical Christianity, when you compare that to National Socialism, the two are entirely coherent. Mm-hmm. Well, so the, what about... Uh, so what about Christianity aren't with true biblical Christianity. They don't understand true biblical Christianity because they take it for granted that these Judaized mainstream churches represent Christianity when in reality they do not. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go out. Okay. Okay, well, so that's <clears throat> sorry. So that in, that includes the modern day uh, Aryan national movement who who rejects uh, Christian identity or even Christianity in general, including Roman Catholicism, Protestant, and uh, Orthodox. And they else. have nothing to replace it with except cartoon characters and gods with hammers and 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 <laughs> yeah. with shields and swords. Well, pretty much. So it's I just I just see there's a lot of infighting, and that people they don't want to read or they don't want to. Some of them might, but uh, it, 
there's so much infighting between those groups. And I just don't understand why. Like, they have a, such a hatred for uh, Christ. And Christianity in general, they, they totally reject it, you know. And that's that, well, that all people, all white people. Okay, here's the biggest disconnect with white nationalists and Christianity, right? The biggest single disconnect. They understand the Jews lie about everything, but then they take it for granted that the Jews are telling the truth about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a huge cognitive disconnect. Mm-hmm. The Jews are lying about the Bible, too. The Bible was originally an Aryan book. The original Hebrews, the original Israelites, were Aryan in their racial makeup. They weren't Jews. The Jews took over the culture that produced that book and infiltrated it and corrupted it in the same way that they've taken over England and France and Germany and America today and infiltrated and corrupted our culture. So now you have a Jew calling himself an American. Mm-hmm. Jew calling himself an Englishman. They're about as English as my dog. In fact, my dog's more English. They're not Judeans. They're not the people of the Bible. The people of the well, Bible we're white in a white world. Well, the thing is, if you say this to a white nationalist today, it seems it just seems like you know he's willing to turn his head around and just walk walk away. It's just it's like they don't really want to listen or they they don't even want to do anything. You know, it's kind well, of they're cowards that they they don't want to face the truth. You tell a white nationalist, oh, India used to be white, and they'll agree. You tell a white nationalist, oh, Egypt. That used to be a great white civilization, and they'll agree. You tell a white nationalist, oh, the Hebrews used to be white, and they'll balk at you and tell you you're lying. Mm-hmm. What's the yeah. difference? Well, uh, they're basically, they're basically the biggest friend of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, we, have, we do have some kind of uh, same interest, but uh, it's just sad to see people are fighting for, uh, I guess, identity reason, and uh, they didn't want to look the other information, that they turn their head around, and it never stops, you know, and it's, it's kind of... Well, like, identity Christians understand that there is a God, and, mm-hmm. and that God is true, and that the people that produced that book were white, and we're not going to cede that to the Jews. We're not going to just give it up because mm-hmm. the Jews claim it. What are you going to give up next? I'll tell you what you're going to give up next. You're going to give up your chastity. Mm-hmm. There's no end to it. Yeah, I I do believe. I, I do believe in that. Uh, well, I hope everything goes fine uh, in our nearly future. So do you, do you see anything coming, especially in the United, in the United States, uh, I've never been in America. I never lived in America, and I I do not have the attention to live in there, especially because of that multiculturalism uh, genocide machine, if, if you like. So, do you expect anything, uh, any so, so-called white leader or white nationalist? No, I don't. Any... I don't. We're no. way too fractured. It's never going to happen again. There's not going to be another Hitler. The next Hitler is Christ, from a Christian identity viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you, well, what about Europe? Do you see anything coming out of there, like for the Golden Dawn and any any movements over there? No, no, I don't. I, I mean, I see further struggles. Yes, I see a lot of um, small nationalist struggles on the horizon, but I don't mm-hmm. see any of them succeeding. Well, the thing the Golden Dawn mentions the Jew always. Uh, it's one of the first nationalistic parties who received it. They'll mention the Jew, and the, most of them that are mentioned the Jew aren't even white. But they do. They, I give them credit for that. They do mention the Jew. Mm-hmm. Well, they do look, look white to me if I look them on YouTube. So, uh. Well, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them look like Arabs and, and Jews, converso Jews and Turks to me. Mm-hmm. Look well, well, so there is no savior for Europe and for uh, for America until Christ comes back. Believe me, I would love to see Sloboda win in the next elections, take Ukraine in a landslide, throw the damn Russians out, and make a nationalist Ukraine. If they mm-hmm. succeed in doing that, they're going to be invaded mm-hmm. and just if they succeed, I pray that that that, that they that they aren't destroyed. I I love those white people in the Ukraine. I hope they live forever. But if they succeed in creating a nationalist state in the Ukraine, they're going to be invaded and they're going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that the handwriting on the wall, just like Adolf Hitler was a, a, a white Christian that stood up against world Jewry and sought German nationalist autonomy, and the Jews got Europe and America to invade and destroy. It's mm-hmm. going to be the same thing all over again, perhaps with the Ukraine on a smaller scale. It, it's, that, that's the way it is until Christ returns. That's what I see. Babylon has to fall. The, mm-hmm. Jewish economic system, the central banking system, has to fall. When, and I explained this on a recent segment of my MICA presentation. When Babylon falls, then it's our turn. As long as the Jew holds the purse strings in all these powerful white nations, the Jew's going to rule the world because the Jew controls the money. It goes back to that old saying by Meyer Ancho Rothschild, I don't care who makes your laws. All I want is to control your money, and I'll control your nation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just um, mm-hmm. well, it, said, but, well, but it's very clear. Well, I, I totally agree with you, but it, it's just people are so sick, especially in Europe, <clears throat> with the invaders and uh, uh, everything what's no white and... Uh, <laughs> It seems to me people, they don't want to do anything, you know, especially in America. It seems to me the Americans are definitely gone. That game over, period, end of story. And they don't even want to stand up for the basic rights, you know. It's it's just, uh, it's difficult to be positive, especially this time, so. The, The media control over the minds of people is incredible, right? Well, yeah, well, definitely, definitely. Like, uh, like, especially at work, you know, I talk, uh, I talk a few times about Hitler and, uh, you know, let's say the whole hoax or World War II, the invasion of Poland or uh, France or or Barbarossa. You know, people think I'm a nutcase. You know, you, you can't even talk to people anymore how dumb they are. 
that they do everything what the Jews are through the television, through, through the documentaries, through the movies, uh, what else? Magazines, uh, you know, ads, you know, uh, internet ads, YouTube ads. It's, it's you know, when I see your podcast on YouTube, I have a few, what, two, three thousand uh, 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 viewers when I type in something, you know, like a stupid, stupid song. Yeah, it has over 150 million viewers. You know, it's, uh, it shows definitely where Americans are and what the world is are, where the world is now. Right. But uh, I don't know. I hope one day that we'll get we will get rid of this parasite called the Jew and uh, live at least you know at least at least get some happiness and some freedom back. You know, if not, uh, uh, you know, it will be over for us. Well, well I um, totally agree, but it's that that that. Phony economic system, that, that's what the biblical prophecy says. That has to fall first. It will fall. It, it's a Ponzi scheme. It can't possibly go on forever. It mm-hmm. can't. Well, I, I, try to, I try to bring that up, and, uh, you know, the answers are, don't worry, they can't push that debt uh, to $200 trillion. You know, they have an infinite line of credit. So there's no really a time limit or a money limit looks like. Well, it, it's got to collapse. And well, yeah. Well, it has to. It has to. Can do something. Mm-hmm. What's going to be? Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. It, it's the 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 aftermath uh, of the the fall of Babylon is going to be realized on a local scale, not mm-hmm. on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, can't wait. <laughs> But uh, hopefully, I think we're good for us. I, uh, you know, like, like I'm 24 years old. You know, I have no debt. I still live on mom and dad because I want to save up some money. You know, I uh, things are totally unaffordable here. Uh, life is way too expensive. Even if you get a raise, uh, you know, I was a caller uh, at some of the uh, other shows on talk show, and I told them. Uh, Guys, forget it. You guys are not going to get any raises. You guys are not going to get any positions. It's over. Get ready. You know, if you have a credit card, uh, let's say if you're in debt five, six thousand dollars, get yourself a lawyer, and he's going to do the paperwork and declare bankruptcy. You know, there's nothing else for you. Well, well, I, I don't advise participation in the debt system by any means. But uh, mm-hmm. well, because debt- people, people who are in debt. You know, they can't make it anymore just to get a stress relief. You know, just forget about the mortgages, forget about, well, they do have to work, but, uh, you know, just telling them they're not going to get any raises. Give up the credit cards. Uh, if you want to buy something, buy cash, buy the cheapest clothes. Uh, you know, start your own garden, you know, try to uh, grow organic food. Uh, stop blaming in the Jewish lies. Stop, stop the nonsense, you know, get serious. I'm not saying turn a, uh, uh, into an expert overnight, but at least do the goddamn effort. At least. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> I've been saying for a long time that whites sh- should, um, sh- should do small things that matter. Stop buying mm-hmm. their movies, stop going to the movies, stop buying their sporting event tickets and things like that that the Jews mm-hmm. make great profits off. And, and they use those things against our race. 
they use those things to promote multiculturalism and, and interracial marriage and all kinds of diversity and all kinds of foul and, and anti-white agendas. And we support them when we buy their music, buy their movies, buy their theater tickets, buy their sporting event tickets. We support the destruction of our race. But the same thing with credit cards, when we go into debt and we pay interest at usury, we are damaging our own nation, our own people when we do those things. So, so we should. If we can't do the little things to, to, um, to check our adversaries, how could we imagine that we could do the big things? Mm-hmm. So totally reject this, totally reject this Jewish system 24-7. Right. So. I mean, we have to do what we have to to survive. You're going to have to go to a market and buy food and things like that. But you only do the things that you have to do and stop um, engaging with, with this Jewish society. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that we could stop doing to... to, well, to um, I mentioned those little things, you know. Do changements, you know, in your life. Drop the people who are so-called not good people. You know, and people don't even want to do that, man. They, 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 they just don't, you know. Like, you know, here where I live, you know, uh, there's a plaza beside me. Five minutes walk. Five minutes. I didn't have to drive. I have a Starbucks. I have a brand-new movie theater. I have a Walmart, Subway, everything you can imagine. All the big franchises are just five minutes away from my from my place, and it, it's always full. And the worst thing is, it's open twenty four seven here, and uh, it, you know I I cannot even approach people. You know, hey, look, stop it, stop it, and you know, it's uh, it's just a sad reality, sad state of affairs today that we see our own people. You're, right. You're a lot better in in in, in um buying all that you can locally produced and things like that to, to help your local economy and to help your fellow white man and not to engage or, or at least to engage as little as possible in, in, in the corporate mercantile system, right? But mm-hmm. most well, people can't do that. They can't do well, it. They refuse to do it. Well, I'm in the store. Uh, I'm the only one paying with cash. I want pay with a credit card today. And how far goes food-wise, uh, we, do, we do go every week into a market here, and uh, there's a lot of Amish people. They do sell the organic products, so most of my stuff in our house is organic, organic meat, no tortured flesh, uh, uh, apples to oranges to everything. So it's, you know, I did little changes in my life to, you know, to not get caught in the Jewish trap. But, uh, we should all do that. We should all promote that. And if you pay with the credit card, even if you pay with the credit card, pay the credit card off that month. Don't pay well, any user. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I do usually pay it off on the same date, uh, maybe five, ten minutes, 20 minutes later. So, <laughs> yeah. That month. If you ring up $300 on the credit card this month, yeah. Pay $300 at the end of the month and don't pay any usury. I know people that do that, and, and what they're doing, in essence, is they're using the credit card system to their own advantage because a lot in, in their situation in life, a lot of their transactions simply have to be electronic or, or, or by credit card. So 
pay it off at the end of the month. Don't pay them any history. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of things we could do to to um to mm-hmm. stand from the system. It and 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 a lot of people would advocate getting away from it entirely, and that's fine too. But most of us can't do those little things. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. people that listen to me that went to that damn June Noah movie already and and watched that Talmudic crap and paid ten bucks for it. They should have mm-hmm. never done that. Pirate that sucker if you really gotta gotta watch it. Get a pirate cut. Uh, I wouldn't give him a dime. Well, well, I totally agree with you. Uh, just another few quick, uh, quick questions. Uh, is there any debates coming up with you on other networks or any guest shows? Or uh... I really haven't participated in, in in outside places lately. But maybe that's bad of me. I, I don't know. I, I I can't stomach any of them. I mean, they're all compromisers in one way or another. There's a few people I get along with. Don't 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 fret that I've worked with in the past, but for the most part, I don't want to go on, 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 I'm not going to go on a program that had a clown like Nathaniel Kapner on last week, or, or some mm-hmm. nigger, or, or some other Jew. I'm not going to do it. I, I can't stomach it. I went on certain programs and, and, and told people how I felt, and gave them the opportunity to listen, and, and that they'd have some Jew on next week, or two weeks down the road. And, and mm-hmm. I can't that. I'm not going to do it any longer. I, I made my mind up with that last year. The, um, the the last experience I had, I did four programs with a gentleman that claimed to like and understand everything I said, and then he goes and has a nigger on his talk show program. Um, what the hell is up with that? And then after the nigger, he had a Jew on his talk show program. And, and you know, that's that that's exemplary uh, of most of these other so-called right-wing or truth movement or, or wh- whatever you want to call them, at, um, talk radio programs and hosts, that's exemplary of, of their actions. It, it's what we, we can't tolerate all these clowns. And if you're listening to Eli James, I, I really don't even want you listening to me. Because he teaches that we, we that other races can can um, join in and and have company with us in the future, and that's evil. That that's contrary to to everything we should be about. That's just one example. That there's um mm-hmm. all of these other so-called white nationalists. That they're all halfway houses. That they're not there. They're not as awake as they claim to be. Not if they're tolerating Jews and niggers. They're our enemies, and they're not working with us. They're scattering, and they're not gathering. So there's no such a thing as a good Jew, bad Jew, evil Jew, uh, Christian Jew, uh, pagan Jew, olden Jew. They're all Jews, you know. The Gospel of Christ says that there's no good Jews, not one. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no good Jews. I don't care if you think some Jew is good, he's not good. We had a Jew problem for, for thousands of years before we had a Zionist problem. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. a screen. There are no good Jews. If a Jew pretends to be good, he's up to no good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I agree with that. I, I do agree. Uh, last question. I'm going to let uh, Tennessee here. Uh, are you ever going to touch uh, the medieval period? 
uh, like the Crusades? You know, I'm or... not a medieval scholar. I, I, I have very little reading in, in the medieval period that, that's worthy. Uh, the things that I know about the medieval period, I probably already discussed in my Christ Strike, my Revelation series, or, or in related material. I'm just not a medieval scholar. I don't have the reading. It, mm-hmm. it, I talk about antiquity. I talk about it because I've, I've read a great portion of the available literature. I would love to talk about the Byzantine Empire and its fall. I haven't read enough literature. I can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's oh. not, none of us are experts in, in, in one thing, let alone in everything. I can't mm-hmm. do it. I see. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you for accepting my call, um, and especially for your knowledge of history. <laughs> and, well, thank uh, you. Yeah. I appreciate your participation. I have another caller on the line. He's been there a long time. I kind of feel bad, especially since I, I think I know him, but I, I can't help it. He's the last one to call, and I, I'm going to try to get to him. Sure. Thank you. Have a nice night. Ooh. God bless. First Christ. East Tennessee. Hello. Hey, hello, Bill. Hello. Hey, Bill. Don here in Tennessee. Hello, Don. Yeah, I wanted to open up a question here that probably it would also happen in a scenario like out in public with your other listeners, too. Uh, I met a lady friend of mine I've known for 12 years. We went out a couple of weeks ago, of course. Went into a church yard sale, inside sale. Well, first thing I noticed when I walked in the door was a big old nigger there standing there smiling, greeting everybody. And I kind of felt bad about going into the place in the first place. And then the lady friend that was with me, she went up and hugged this supposedly old man. man, And uh, and then uh, she went over and talked to this negro, and I went out the other door. Well, uh, we had a minor conflict. I said, uh, you know what's going on? I said you're you're shaking hands with a nigger and you're and you're hugging this other guy. And she said, well, that's a guy I used to work with. I said, she said he's a Christian. Oh, I said, well, he's a Christian, and he goes to church with the niggers, and he's a Christian. Is that what you're saying? And I said, uh, he's also a Christian because you know he loves his wife and he hugs other women. Could you uh, put, have some input on this? You know what I'm trying to say, I believe. Well, well, that's the, the, the that's the problem that we all face when we want to engage in activities with friends, relatives, or or acquaintances, people that we grew comfortable with before we ourselves came to the truth, and now we want to go back and engage in activities with these people, we're going to have conflicts. It's inevitable. So what do we do? What we're obligated to do is witness the truth of the gospel to those people, and if they don't accept it, well, we don't have to mistreat those people, but we can't engage in certain activities with those people so that we avoid those conflicts. Yeah, sure. Well, I put her away myself. Uh, You know, she shaking hands with niggers and hugging other men, and other men supposed to love their wife and stuff like that. I'm old-fashioned, you know, forgive me for that, you know, but... uh, and another question I have, too, I met two Baptist preachers. I'm all the time wanted to talk to these Baptist preachers. And the uh, first question I asked them is, uh, was Jesus a Jew? And, of course, man, you both know the answer. And uh, I don't understand why these Baptist preachers get so upset with me when I give them the verse in the Bible where Jesus 
you know, puts the Jews down, you know. Yeah, you know, when you confront Baptist preachers, they're only going to dig themselves in and defend their positions no matter how wrong they are. Right, right. That's the art of phrasing things as questions and finding questions that cause, that they can see cause conflicts when they try to answer those questions. Yes, and well, we need to... I'm sorry, go ahead, Bill. There's many questions that can do that. Yes, sir. Well, it just got under under my skin, you know. I had to put away a lady friend of mine for 12 years. And, of course, since you've been into the picture, I've really woken up. And I've seen all the errors I've been doing. And and I've never been able to convince her. So I thought, well, you're not as well. Go ahead and put her away because I'm not going to convict her, right? Well, well, I mean, if you don't want conflict with her, you, you have to cease. From, from engaging in those activities with her to cause that conflict. You have to tell her the truth, tell her why you can't go to this place or that place with her, and, and that's basically because she's a nigger lover and, and that you can't tolerate nigger loving. So, so she can go on her own. Yeah, well, she's on her own. Uh, she even told me in my own car, I said, I don't want to hear that word nigger anymore. It's not a nice word. I said, well, nigger's a nigger. Uh, it's like a monkey's a monkey, a nigger's a nigger, so I'm just going to take you home and park you. Well, well, you could tell her that any word you want to call them doesn't change their substance and, and that you don't want to have any association with them regardless of what she wants to call them. It doesn't change them. You could call them black people. It still doesn't change them, and you still don't want to associate with them. So... What, what's the difference what you call them? Yes, sir. Well, they're still niggers to me, animals. But anyways, I appreciate you taking my call, Bill. You have a good night. Well, well thank you. It, it's, um, it, it'd be nice to get more callers. I, 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 don't, I mean, there's a, little, there's a little possible time left. We've already gone over 90 minutes, and it's fine if this ends here. I'm going to do this again tomorrow night. I'm going to do open open lines tomorrow night and, and encourage people to call in. I don't care if um, you have a, a, a contention or, or a, a, a question or a problem with any of my work. If you present it in a civil manner, you'll be answered honestly and, and your, um, your contention will be fully entertained. Yes, I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you, Don. Take care and good, good night. So, so, yes. so what it is, I would um, encourage people to call in tomorrow and, and participate. I got a few things that I'm going to say at the beginning of tomorrow's program about kinists because a lot of people think that kinists can be our allies and, and in, in reality, kinists they're working against us. Even if they perceive to be racially awakened, they're not at all racially awakened. Kinists are no better than Judeo-Christians. I'll discuss that a little bit at the beginning of tomorrow's program. Yahweh bless, Bill. Take care, Don. Good night. Bye-bye. And with that, I'm going to say good night. There are no other callers, so everybody that participated 
I thank you and, and appreciate your participation. Praise Yahweh, and good night.